0: Five.
1: What is up, my dudes? What is up, my dudes? We have another Casey's Corner podcast coming your way today on this beautiful Wednesday. I say beautiful; it's beautiful now. There's expected to be some severe weather later today, so hope everybody stays dry, stays safe, all of that good stuff. We've got a jam-packed show coming your way. Excuse the wind. Excuse the birds chirping. I'm outside under the carport, as always, recording this. Um, tons and tons of good news. The NCAA has allowed teams to report back to campus on a certain date. We'll give you that date and what that means. Um, we're in some huge COVID progress. We'll give you that in just a second. We have only one call-in guest today. Nichols baseball coach Seth Thibodeau joined us earlier today. We kept it down to one but Seth Thibodeau's interview ran a little longer than some of the other coaches' interviews do. Um, But his interview was phenomenal. So we wanted to run it in full. We didn't want to have to cut anything. So we're going to give you about 20, 25 minutes of Coach Seth Thibodeau. Um, His team was one of the teams that had their seasons get canceled. And um, we're going to talk to Coach about the COVID-19 pandemic, some ways they've changed the way that they operate, um and also some other things that have been going on around Nichols baseball when their coach thibodeau Nichols has made such great strides on and off the field and uh, coach was very honest and very candid in his interview so we look forward very much to spending that time with him a little bit later in the show um and playing that interview for you so let's jump right into our covid 19 interview or update rather if you're not into the COVID-19 stuff, just fast forward, we'll put timestamps on all, we put timestamps on all of our episodes so that you guys could see exactly what it is that you wanna listen to. Uh, so if you're not big into the COVID, just fast forward to the sports stuff, not hurt my feelings at all. All 50 states in the United States are now either opened or partially opened economically. Um, and progress continues to be reported in terms of lowering our new daily case totals in the United States. Um, found an interesting stat yesterday that just shows everything in terms of the progress that we've been making from April 1st to May the 1st in that one month period we had 1717 days of 30,000 or more new daily COVID cases in the United States since that time from May the 2nd to now we've had zero Okay, so that's a that's a great window of progress. And then it's even more of a window of progress when you factor this in, which is that in that time from May 1st to now, we've also seen testing increase drastically from 300 ta- no, you know, 250 to 300,000 tests per day to now closer to 400,000 tests per day in many times. So we're seeing cases go down while testing numbers are continuing to go up, which means there are fewer and fewer sick people um, We're going to talk about the Louisiana hospitalization numbers in a minute, which are phenomenal, Um, but those numbers are being reflected and echoed around the entire country as other states are seeing their hospitalization numbers close and, and go down as well. Tremendous progress being made by everyone even through this reopening. States that have been reopened for two and three weeks now have not seen any spikes or any increases beyond their testing increases. So tremendous results, tremendous progress being made, and we've got a, some big news actually from the CDC today, which I think may go hand in hand with why some of this progress has been made. So leading into that, the CDC today has made a drastic move in terms of changing some of their COVID-19 guidelines. They're now saying, folks, and get this, they are now saying that is it is unlikely that coronavirus spreads through surfaces. So remember all these charts and all these graphics that were released early in the pandemic that were saying, oh, bro, brought a virus, lasts for eight hours on a wood surface. It lasts for six hours on a plastic surface. And for one, and I've been telling you from episode one here on this show, I've been telling you that those charts are bogus and that those charts are whack because there's a little fine print on every one of those charts that says these numbers and times and everything are only based on 70 degree temperatures. And... No one ever has done a very good job of explaining that. Um, so they've had people freaked out and they were washing their mailboxes and cleaning the inside of their cars, all surfaces that are far warmer than 70 degrees in which in case the virus will die when it gets to 85, 90 degrees. But lo and behold, now the CDC says the spread of the virus is unlikely through surfaces. So that means that for the people who are Clorox in their groceries and cleaning their grocery bags and scrubbing down their cans and scrubbing down the packages of their vegetables and their cans of you know chicken soup that they're buying from Walmart, you probably don't have to be doing that anymore because the virus is highly unlikely to be spreading through surfaces. That's a big deal. So what does that mean? It means that now CDC is saying that the primary method of spread of coronavirus is person to person, which means it's far more likely for us to be able to control the spread by keeping our distance by washing our hands when we're around somebody by you know covering our mouth when we cough by covering our arm you know sneezing into our arm and all the things that we have quite frankly should have been doing all this time that we were not doing that we kind of laxed and you know let get by us um now if we just kind of keep distance and, and control ourselves and control our distance with other people we should be able to far um limit this spread and i think that's one of the biggest reasons why we've been seeing numbers stay steady and decrease um, as opposed to increasing even though more things are opening up because people are being more cautious and more savvy and more less like uh, slobs quite frankly like we were before and we're seeing more progress continue to be made even though more things are opening up and more and more social interaction is taking place so, your new coronavirus numbers in the state of Louisiana, I promised you some progress. I promised you some big news. So, here it is in the state we now have, yet as my map from the Department of Health loads, we now have still loading 35,316 COVID cases reported in the state of Louisiana. We added, um, I think, a little less than 300, than 300 today, maybe a little more than 300 in that ballpark area today of COVID cases. Um, we have now conducted 273,175 commercial tests for coronavirus, 12,795 state lab tests for coronavirus, 2,485 people have died of COVID 19 in Louisiana, 26,249 have recovered from COVID 19 in Louisiana. Those numbers are now four or five days old. Um, you projected it forward, it's probably closer to 29,30,000 by now. Uh, those days have been th- th- those numbers have last been updated on may the 16th but the big news and uh, probably the most important news in the state of louisiana is that hospitalizations in the state for covid 19 have dropped like a rock our health system has done a tremendous job in limiting the patients that are in our hospital systems um this is such wonderful progress we now have 931 patients in louisiana hospitals with covid 19 ailments 931 this is exceptional exceptional progress you got you got a factor okay let's go back to the may may the second let's go to may the second the, the beginning of may we had 1545 people hospitalized now that number is 931 at the peak of this pandemic on april the 13th we had 2134 patients hospitalized that number is now cut by more than half nine three one and it continues to drop more and more by the day today alone we had almost a drop of 100 patients total so what does that mean obviously the fewer people are in the hospital the fewer people who are going to eventually die um That means that we're limiting the amount of severe cases of COVID-19 that we're seeing in Louisiana, which means our mortality rate is going to slowly level off, which means that we're going to limit the number of gravely sick people that we have in the state. Uh, We've been hit very hard by this pandemic in Louisiana, harder than other states that are about our size and about our population base. But man, we have fought towards flattening our curve much faster than some other places have. Kudos to the people in Louisiana for doing the things that they've been supposed to do. Um, 931 hospitalizations is a number that should be applauded, should be celebrated, and we're going to continue to get that thing down into the 800s and the 700s. We're going to keep working down until we're going to be fully free of this thing. I'm 100% confident of that. I'm 100% Uh, On board with the idea that we are actually going to beat this thing We're gonna fight this thing off fully and we're gonna make a full and complete recovery And we're gonna get back to our life as normal as we knew it before this 110 patients are on ventilators in the state of Louisiana. That is Tremendous at one time on April the 4th. We had 571 patients on ventilators so that just goes to show and again, I, I say this all the time on this show and I know that by now it's it's a broken record, and I know by now that people are, quite frankly, tired of hearing it. And there are people who are very nervous and, and maybe think that I'm being a little bit too arrogant in terms of downplaying this. But for all the negative Nancys out there, um, for all the Mayor Cantrells out there who are on record saying, we're going to cancel life forever, we're never going to have this again, we're never going to have that again, and it, it's, it's asinine and it's stupidity and it's complete ignorance to make those statements to begin with because we have no history with this virus. So we don't know how long this is gonna last because we've never had one like this before. So without any history to go by, you shouldn't be making those predictions to begin with. But just look at the progress from April the 13th, okay, to now, that's one month and one week. So that's what, five weeks from April the 13th to now. We have gone from 2,134 hospitalized patients and 461 patients on ventilators to now 931 hospitalized and 110 on ventilators in like 36 or 37 days. So the idea that anyone knows what it's going to, what the situation is going to look like, 36 or 37 days from now, which would be you know mid to you know early July it's crazy we don't know the future and if we continue to make progress at the rate that we're making now my god by the end of summer we could be fully rid of this thing and we could be exploring the idea maybe even having fans in the stands at some of these things um i know that's not you know the news that negative nancy wants to hear But it's reality is that we're doing an excellent job fighting this thing. We're doing an excellent job stopping the spread. And I think that all the the momentum that is being built, the CDC saying that the virus doesn't live on surfaces, that'll make it easier to stop the spread because all we gotta do as people is, you know, not be licking on our neighbors, you know, and we'll be able to I'm being saying that tongue in cheek, obviously, but you know, if we do a better job of keeping our own personal hygiene a certain way, we should be able to limit the spread. And I think that all these things are trending in the right direction. The heat will play a wonderful part in this. Um, that was another thing that negative Nancy, oh, this thing won't die in the heat. baloney. You look at the most progress is being made is being made in the south. Why? It's hotter here than in the north. The heat is making an impact. The, the less time that the virus could live in the air or on a surface, the the fewer and fewer people who are going to be infected because there's less chances to catch it so this big you know strong louisiana summer this warm weather that we're going to have is going to wash this thing away and i think you know there's always always the concern of it coming back in the fall there's no doubt about that but our conditions in the summer are looking brighter now than what they have at any point in time and we're going to talk about some events that are going to be going on in louisiana over the summer that are now saying you know seeing this momentum and saying hey we can have our event more power to them we, uh, you know we wish them the best of luck a couple of more numbers and then we'll get to your questions here on the Casey's Corner podcast Lafouche Parish has 753 COVID-19 cases and 64 people who have died um, about 6,000 tests have been done in LaFouche Parish um, we go to the numbers for uh, region 3 Region three has 15 patients on ventilators. That's a new low number. I've not seen that number that low since the state started reporting that data. 105 ventilators are available. Region three has uh, 50 ICU beds in use. 37 are available. That number continues to be steady. Region three has 415 hospital beds in use. 311 are available. So kudos to region three for continuing to fight this thing off. Our medical workers are doing an excellent job some of the areas in the state that were you know listed as troubled a couple of weeks ago have made some progress in flattening their curves and you know i i hope i'm not jinxing this because i know i'm giving nothing but good news but i just don't know how much bad news there is out there right now um so sorry to the people who've lost a loved one so sorry to you know some of the people who have been fighting this this illness and you know who are you know having to Go without a you know a father or a mother or a neighbor or a friend, um, it's terrible. This has been awful. We have had such a rough time with this, but I truly believe that the darkest days are in the rearview mirror. And whenever I say in the rearview mirror, now I believe they're far in the rearview mirror, and I think we're awfully close to getting out of this tunnel and getting back into the sun. And it's all because of the 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 hard work of the people of the, the state the great leadership of the people in our state. LaFouche Parish government has been tremendous. The you know LaFouche Parish Sheriff's Office has been tremendous. Our towns and you know municipalities and everybody in our local area has been tremendous and kudos to them, more power to them. We've done a wonderful job stemming this tide. So some of your COVID questions today, then we'll catch a break and go to Seth Thibodeau. The first question comes from a lot of folks. I've gotten this one a lot. When will the DMV be open in the state of Louisiana? What phase will the DMV be open? Um, It's open now, Um, just um, not all of the locations are open. Um, So the DMV in Homa, for instance, is open. So if you need to go and get a permit or a driver's license or update your driver's license or whatever it may be, you could go and make the trek to Homa. Now, there's gonna be some social distancing stuff that you're gonna have to do. It's not gonna be like a normal DMV trip. Um, And, you know, please be obviously wary of the idea that um, while you need your permit or your driver's license, the entire state has been without getting permits and driver's license for more than a month. So, you know, there's going to probably be some long lines and I know that you can make the joke, when is there ever not a long line at the DMV? And that's certainly true as well. Um, But, you know, they are open at select locations. When the one down the by opens, I'll give some guidance. How many active... Question two, how many active COVID-19 cases are there in Lafourche Parish? Um, I've not received any guidance on that yet. Um, So, but what I'm going to do, just to make an educated guess, okay? Um, There are 81% of our COVID cases in Lafourche Parish are former COVID cases, meaning that they're closed. So what I'm gonna do now, and I'm literally gonna do the math while talking to you, okay? 753 cases total times 0.81 that would be 610 of our cases would have been finished so 753 minus 6 110 would mean about 140 143 exactly roughly active cases of the covid19 or coronavirus in Lafouche. that's a guess don't hold me to that don't you know don't, uh, if, it's, if it's a little more, if it's a little less, if they release the numbers, don't say that I lied to you. Again, I'm just taking the number of total cases that we have, multiplying it towards the 81% closed case rate that we have in the state, and just guessing. And I think that that's gonna be about the number, a little more than 100 um, active cases in Lafouche Parish. That would make sense with some of the numbers that we've been told. Um, next question. Why do you think local nursing homes have been hit so hard during the pandemic? Um, For a couple of reasons. Um, Great question, by the way. Uh, This is going to be obviously sparked by Louisiana issuing the specific numbers for COVID-19 in terms of the nursing homes. And quite frankly, some of our local nursing homes have been hit pretty hard. Um, Reading some of the statistics and some of the numbers, man, it was devastating to see some local nursing homes had almost all of their patients contract COVID nineteen. Uh, some of them have had multiple death, uh, deaths in their facility, even some, you know, having more than a dozen or you know twenty or whatever it may be. Uh, this has just been such a difficult thing for our elderly and our most at risk patients. Um, but I think that what I just said is part of the reason why. Uh, It is more uh, deadly for the nursing homes is because of a couple of things. As I said, one, the patients there are the most extreme at risk. The elderly, the elderly who are sick, the elderly who, you know, are diabetic or, you know, obese or who cannot fend to themselves anymore. They are the most at risk to contract this and have, you know, fatal problems with this. Uh, This virus has preyed heavily on people who have comprised immune systems and our elderly have comprised immune systems our sick elderly have the most comprised immune systems so that's the first reason why this has been so bad on our nursing homes and then the second reason is like they're along the same lines of a prison in that you can't socially distance there now please don't take what i'm saying the wrong way i'm not trying to say our nursing homes or like prison. This is not what at all what I'm trying to say. But in terms of the living quarters, it's a similar setup in that there's common areas where people gather, you know, dining rooms and everything where people mingle. And then outside of that, everybody's kind of spaced into these little rooms all in certain halls. Um, and, you know, what we saw early on in the pandemic was the sheriff's offices released a lot of their nonviolent offenders for fear of having problems in our jails. But you can't necessarily do that in a nursing home. So you've got all these people in such a small space, and it's a breeding ground. It's impossible to socially distance. Now, since you know this is all broken out, they've done some things. They're limiting the exposure from patient to patient. Patients are mostly confined to their rooms and different things like that. And some of the facilities have had great success. But the problem is is if you have like a nurse or you know, a, a member of the staff. Who has COVID-19 doesn't know it is asymptomatic, or you know, thinks they have just a cough or a cold, and is going to make the rounds and is treating all these patients throughout the day, not realizing that they're infected by this. They could give it to 30 people in a day, and then you know, those 30 people will give it to you know, their roommates, and every you know, it's just a, a breeding ground, and it's not a good situation for our nursing homes. And hopefully, the worst is over with for them. Uh, we're praying for all of them. Kudos to, you know, the, the facilities who've stayed ahead of the curve and who have limited their patient spread. There are some, you know, tremendous stories that will need to be told of uh, success in our nursing home facilities when this is over with. Just like unfortunately, there are gonna be some stories, some horror stories that are gonna be told because some of our facilities have been hit awfully hard. And um, you know, there are gonna be some facilities they're gonna have to answer some tough questions. Number four, do animals catch or spread COVID nineteen? Um, there have been stories since this is all started of you know a tiger catching it. Um, so I guess the answer would be you know yeah animals can catch it. Um, and obviously you know the, this whole thing started from someone eating a bat that wasn't cooked or at least that's what they say. Other you know people have theories about it starting in, in a lab or whatever it may be. Um, so I guess the answer to the question is yes and yes animals can catch it. Animals can spread it. Um, but the CDC says it is highly unlikely to be spread or passed on to animals or from animals and any cases of the contrary are the extreme minority so you don't have to worry about giving this to your dog you don't have to socially distance from your cat you don't have to worry about giving this to your goldfish. Um, you know it's not saying it's impossible but I am saying it's highly unlikely that you pass this on to your pets number five why are casinos open but not some salons or massage parlors? I'm not gonna answer this question because one of my biggest pet peeves throughout this entire pandemic has been the idea from some people, and I'm, I'm not bashing your question. I Please know I'm not bashing your question. Um, but this idea from the very beginning of this pandemic, there have been a certain percentage of the population who have made it a point and who have made it their life's mission to find the one thing, the one loophole, the one area of socialization that the government didn't think of and is trying to do that just to push the limits. When this first started, it was, you know, okay, X, Y, and Z are shut down, but they didn't say nothing about A, B, and C. So everybody went and rushed and did A, B, and C, until a b and c got banned and then they said well you didn't find anything or say anything about doing d e and then they did like people have made it a point to try to do the one thing that has been allowed as opposed to taking the guidance and just staying home and now we're seeing it again businesses are reopening and you know instead of being happy and being satisfied for the things that we have there's this complaint and this this rush to judgment of Well, if they could be open, why can't they? Um, Just don't be that type of person, man. Just trust in the guidance that we're being given. If massage parlors aren't able to be open, then maybe there's a reason. Maybe it's because to massage somebody, it's impossible to stay six feet away from them. Maybe because, you know, at a casino, you could socially distance. Maybe, you know, it's because casinos generate tons of revenue and, you know, tax dollars, and we need some of those funds coming in, whatever it is trust in the guidance that we're being given and don't try to find the loopholes try to just stick to you know the stake and not the sizzle and do the things that you're told you can do and don't go out and actively try to find loopholes and try to find the things that the government leaders didn't think of or whatever it may be and quite frankly if you want to be the person that says the rules run for office run for office don't complain about it on facebook don't you know, be the person whining and crying. Run for office, and then maybe you'll be able to set the rules someday. And then maybe instead of complaining about something and you know just fizzling out hot air, you can spend your time a little bit more productively. Sorry, I getting on my soapbox there. But number six, in your estimation, will schools be safe to return in the fall of 2020? Unquestionably, yes. Um, I think that there may have to be some changes in terms of how we position children i don't know that you know maybe there will be some slight distancing in terms of desk and maybe we'll have to clean and disinfect classrooms and desk surfaces a little more um but i don't think that schools will be in danger um i think that we're going to get to a point where you know heck we're having church services again um how is that any different from having kids in a classroom uh, maybe we'll spread them out a little more, maybe you know fewer students per class if, if that's possible. But I do think that schools will be able to return and I do think they'll be able to return safely. And I think that education will go on as scheduled in the fall. Number seven, the last question, any word on if high schools will be able to have their proms that have been canceled? I have not heard any word on this, um, but I know that um, once we get to phase three, we would then be allowed gatherings of 250 people. Um, so I think that that would maybe make that a possibility over the summer if schools choose to do so. Um, I know South LaFouche said in the past that they would make that attempt if it were feasible, Um, but I haven't heard any guidance and I I, I don't want to guess or I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but I do think that that's something that a little little later this summer could potentially be a possibility. Thank you guys so much for the questions. If you have a question for me, send it to JustClaireCasey at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, KC underscore JustClaire. I'm happy to answer your questions, happy to give you all these stats and all these updates. Keep up the good work. We are doing tremendous things. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass here. We're doing tremendous things. We're making tremendous progress. And if you read these fearful headlines and these fearful news stories, and some of them unfortunately are in the local media as well, Please know they're not true. If they're telling you we're not making progress, they're lying to you. They're lying through their teeth. And the reason why they're lying through their teeth is because they don't know how to do anything other than you know, spark fear in the people that they serve. And I think that's a doggone shame. Let's catch a quick break. When we get back, we're going to go to the phone lines. We have a wonderful interview with Nichols baseball coach Seth Thibodeau right out of this break. It's the Casey's Corner podcast right here on LaFougeGazette.com. We'll be right back with Coach Thibodeau after this break. And this would be a good reminder to remind you about the LaFouche Gazette app, available in all app stores today. Uh, Just go to your app store, type LaFoucheGazette.com. You get the latest access to all of our news that we're producing. You can get push notifications and anything that we're producing, we could send it to you on your app. 100% easy, 100% free. You don't have to do anything except go to your app store, type LaFouche Gazette, download our app today. That's where you can get all the latest and greatest and stay informed with everything happening in our community. Again, it's the LaFouche Gazette app in your app store available today. It's the Casey's Corner podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us on the phone lines, we have Nichols State University baseball coach Seth Thibodeau. Coach, how are you today, man? Casey,
0: I'm doing great, man. Thanks
1: for having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, You guys were one of the spring sports that were postponed and canceled for the remainder of the 2020 season. Um, I know that that was... A painful thing you guys were just getting into conference play had big hopes big aspirations um how'd that all come about and i guess you know what were some of the things that were going through the team's mind and through the locker room as it was all playing out
0: i i, I think that at first it was confusion and, and a little bit of a shock and i could see some uh seniors when we were meeting with their heads going straight down and uh just frustrated and like what is going on here you know and uh um, so we fought a little bit of frustration for a little bit, and and uh, some unknowns and uncertainty, and then, you know, I, I thought they handled it really well. I, I I didn't know what to expect either. It wasn't like we could reach out to a former coach who had experienced this before. This was uncharted territories, and anyone's, you know, whatever anyone was doing was for the first time. So it was it was difficult, only if we allowed it to be though. And I kept saying something great's going to happen, guys. Just allow it to happen. You know, and one of our players, uh, team team captain Adam Tarver, made a great comment. He's like, Coach, this didn't happen, you know, to us. It happened for us. We just don't know what it is yet. So I thought that was a tremendous attitude for a senior who, you know, thought that he was preparing to, to win the Southern Conference Championship a senior year. And, you know, the tough part is that we could all start to feel sorry for ourselves because our guys um stayed together all last summer. They didn't go off to play summer ball. Everyone stayed in Thibodeau and they lifted all summer and they run extra by themselves. They did things on their own and worked really hard for what they thought would be a great run for us. And so I think there was a little bit of a letdown and frustration from that. But, you know, every day things got a little bit better as, as, as everyone knows, time heals everything and um you know it's unfortunate for some guys that won't be able to ever play again. And it was really on the flip side an amazing thing for some guys that really could have benefited from a uh, an extra year or or someone like a freshman that was playing a little bit but wouldn't an everyday store maybe it was really good for him to be able to get that red shirt year so in the long run I think it's going to work out for what's best obviously and, and um and I think our guys have handled it well, and, and we've we've been in constant communication with each other. I feel like we've gotten closer because of it. There's, there's many positives, and we'll just try to keep it that way as much as possible.
1: One of the things that, that everyone is sort of doing, and I know you guys are no exception, is kind of tweaking the way that business operates now. And I know you were telling me just before the call you were on a Zoom meeting. And I guess, how is Nichols baseball going forward here through the pandemic? What are some of the things you guys have done to, to kind of stay ahead of the curve, so to speak?
0: Well, you know, for a little while, it was, I just let them focus on school. I guess the first month was, all right, no one really knows what to do. We're kind of going off of what we're being told what to do. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we were allowed to do more. So we started really reaching out. The first, you know, the first month was just, hey, we're going to hunker down academically. Uh, we're going to make sure that you're getting your thing, your, everything done and uh, turned in and monitoring that. And then it turned into all right, let's start communicating now. Let's give them a, an at-home workout. Let's give them some drills they can do at home. Like, we just started being creative, and guys started sharing videos of being at home and, and figuring out a way to do some type of workout at of their house. You know, and some of my guys went out to, uh, you know, Lowe's, and, and they got some wood and built themselves a squat rack. And <laughs> some other guys were pushing cars up a hill. Like, it was just really neat. Like, I've never seen that before. And these guys have had didn't grow up in our generation of you know going outside and making something happen. It was, it's been a different time, and so this allowed these guys to grow a little bit and be creative. And when they started sharing these videos with each other and books they were reading and things that they were doing with each other, uh, it, it become it became really neat. And um, I've seen our guys become closer. A lot of guys went home that weren't from here and immediately got home and a few days later, turned around and came back, you know, to be with their teammates at the apartments and, and get work done there and hang out with each other and do what they could do together. And I think that that was an amazing thing, something that you can never get done. Like you never, because we're, we're always on, we're always playing, we're always practicing, we're always, you know, it's always business. Well, all of a sudden it became, hey man, I'm, there's nothing I can do, but I can do this, you know, and, and they started doing, doing it together I thought it was a treat, and so if there was, we just always kept a really good attitude through it and a positive attitude through it. And and today we're still doing the same thing. We're still communicating on a daily basis. And I think as things start to open up, um, we'll come back and it's like we never left. The the, the 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 chemistry, the friendships, the you know the the what we're doing as a team. I think we'll just continue on, and and uh, it was like it'll be like we've never stopped. Maybe we just had an opportunity to get better through this.
1: We've had a lot of high school coaches on, and they've all kind of said the same thing: is that hey, through this, you really kind of learn and understand who really loves the game. That you know, the people who are the most enthusiastic. And are you kind of feeling the same thing? Like you're really kind of getting a sense for man, who's really about this?
0: Absolutely, you really you hit the nail on the head. I think that uh, uh, we we found new ways to be creative, and you found guys that were like. You know coming out of their shell a little bit that were maybe guarded or scared to say anything in the past and team meetings or in practice that were just kind of there because it was a routine and now all of a sudden these guys are sharing what they're doing and their their personalities are really coming out and i thought it was a really neat thing and look before this all happened i would have never thought about getting on a zoom and now <laughs> it's become an everyday deal it's like going to the office you know and, and we've been able to share a lot and meet a lot and um, there's so many great things that have come out of this, and uh, but yes, yeah, like being creative in the personalities, I saw some guys really come out and share some things that i didn't think would ever happen and so it ended up being a great thing for those guys
1: now, I know that you guys have gotten some guidance in terms of how this is going to work going forward, and I know you have um you know the ability to keep some of your seniors, but from a previous interview, you were telling me some of your, your seniors had you know jobs lined up and different things like that, so who do you think is going to be coming back, and are you leaving it up to them? And I guess give us a rundown on how that's all going down.
0: I did. I, I, you know, obviously money is an issue, but it's not just at my institution. Money's an issue everywhere. And creating dollars to pay for scholarships is, is certainly not ever going to be the easiest thing. Um, but I, I do know of some seniors that gave up their scholarships uh, willingly, and um, with a great attitude so that it can better our team because we certainly didn't want to take scholarships from guys, incoming freshmen or transfers, um, you know, because they had a plan. And, and no one wants this to ever happen. But, um, yes, we had 11 seniors, and five of those guys are going on to the next, you know, part of their futures. And one is medical school. The other is going to be a chiropractor. The other is going to be a lawyer, whatever it may be. Uh, Some are just going on to, you know, engineering school, or there was a plan in place already. And then there's a couple of seniors who had a chance to play professional baseball. And and maybe this year will really benefit them. Uh, I think it can only benefit them. Um, So we've been able to make it work. We weren't overcrowded, um, but we did somewhat become very crowded with a roster. And so I'm not the kind of coach that wants to bring in 50 guys I want to keep it to, you know, as little as possible, but you can expect 40, 42, 43 guys on our team next year. And, and uh, so, but the great thing is 21 of those guys are freshmen. And, you know, and whenever a couple of senior pitchers were able to come back, we were really pitching it well. And those guys that were able to come back, like uh, Bo Bellotto, a senior reliever, left-handed pitcher, Peter Holland, a senior right-handed pitcher, who's having the best year he's ever had in his life. Um, and those guys were able to come back like that. It was just an absolute treat. Trevor Kilcrease, our Friday night starter, who's been that guy ever since he set foot on campus. He gets another year. And I've seen him grow into a leader, you know, and um, immediately. And uh, he's pushing and pulling guys with him. Um, so those guys will really benefit. Dylan Bell was actually playing through a torn um uh, ligament in his elbow and he had the exact same thumb injury that Drew Brees had and he was just playing through it like he wasn't going to miss this season his senior year a team that these guys in their heart felt like they had something special lined up in the season coming coming up this spring around this time of the year so um, he gets to heal up and maybe have a, a procedure done with his elbow and his thumb's better now so there's so many things that, that were able to come of it and uh, it was a really neat thing.
1: For you as a coach I mean I'm, I'm sure you're far you know used to the routine by now and these months were supposed to be not a lot of sleep not a lot of rest you know always on the road always on buses and you've been at home and and i know you know a couple saturdays ago we had you on radio and you said that you were playing ball with your kids and spending time with them so what's that kind of quiet time and you know life slowing down a little bit been like for you uh life
0: slowing down has been really neat It's, it's you know i looked at the schedule a couple times and i noticed that there was going to be three or four weeks throughout the season where I might've only seen my wife and kids two days out of those, you know, that, that, that two or three week span. And, and when the little that I would have seen them would have been, you know, maybe <laughs> kissing them on the cheek at night and maybe dropping them off at school for a quick 15 minute, you know, that would be, yeah, it would have been quick. And so I've been able to turn from coach to a uh, kindergarten teacher. <laughs> I've been able to turn coach to, uh, daycare operator you know things like that and my wife's job she's a pharmacist and homeless so her job never stopped so i've been here and, and we've been outside doing things that maybe they have never done at school and um so it, it was a treat it was different at first it, of course it wasn't what we wanted to be and but life never really works that way so we had to adjust from a professional standpoint i have done everything i could to grow as a coach in these times and, and stay fresh. I've actually was working with some 12-year-olds in the neighborhood, doing some lessons with them. I uh, was uh, getting up on Zooms with other coaches from around the country, just talking baseball, which I thought was amazing because i shared, got some pro ideas, got some other ideas from some other college coaches and even high school coaches. Um, that has been very, extremely rewarding. I've shared some things that we do as an organization to Zooms from to coaches, you know, around the country, it's just been a treat, and you could stay as busy as you wanted to. And so, every day, I felt like it was important for me to to be out there and with the, you know, from Nichols representing Nichols, but also representing our coaching staff and our players and our and our program, and just trying to grow and get better. It was an awesome opportunity to grow and get better and hear other coaches share ideas, and me do the exact same thing. And uh, I thought it was awesome, and and. and, and Uh, still continuing on and maybe this will continue on forever you know we've never done this as coaches before we've always gone to to clinics once a year or something like that but to really grow and hash it out and and basically you know chalk talk for for lack of a better way of putting it it was awesome I've enjoyed every second of it and brought some new ideas I was able to sit down and you know go through our playbook and clean some things up and um, prepare for for next season and prepare for the summer and hoping that our guys are able to play which is Really starting to look good right now, and so staying really organized, which is extremely important, and, and um, it's been great. It's been a treat. I, 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 you know, I would I would trade a lot to get back to our season.
1: Yeah.
0: But for what happened to us? I wouldn't, you know, kind of wouldn't trade anything because I feel like we've grown and gotten better because of it. And well, we never were able to get back together. It's going to be a treat. Like it's going to be, man, we get to do this again. And when you get away from the game you were you find out right away like you kind of mentioned that earlier when you get away from it you find out who you are you find out if this is what you want to do and look when you have 18 and 22 years you, they have a wandering mind Like yeah. they're still growing those those years are precious and their minds always going and it's never stopping and um you just try to keep them busy and active and taking the right things because a wandering mind can be dangerous but it could also be amazing as well and we just try to take that amazing part and keep them growing and keep them going and Uh, look we had a 3.2 team gpa which i was really proud of um our coaches did a tremendous job of staying with our players and pushing them it was a treat i didn't we didn't have an f in in our entire team on our on our report cards it was out of that 25 plus guys out of our 35 that had a 3.0 had a couple of 4.0s but we didn't have one f and we had several 2.8 2.9 so it was was awesome I, i truly enjoyed it and uh, there was a lot of accomplishment to what we just went through, and let's just hope uh, we continue to, to grow from it.
1: One of the things I wanted to ask you about is, um, okay, in LaFouche and Terrebonne Parish, there are 11 high schools. If you throw Assumption in, there's 12. And it feels like to me, you know, just from going around the area and calling some of these games, it feels like high school baseball in the last five to ten years in our area has grown, and everyone is now competitive. Every you know In our 4A district, we had three local teams in the top ten, Uh, A lot of our 5A teams are very competitive. CCA down on the 1A level is very competitive. Um, You're out scouting the players and trying to sign some of those players. Do you kind of sort of agree that, you know, hey, in the last five to ten years, high school baseball in this area has really kind of blossomed?
0: Yeah, uh, 100%. I think there's good baseball coaches in this area. You go down to South Terrebonne, and Mike Barb has done a tremendous job there. He played for us. and, And, of course, you know, CCA has done a tremendous job Man, I, I feel for Vanderbilt. I thought they might have made a run at something really big this year. They have some good players. Yeah. Of course, Edie White's always right there. That that three game series I watched with them was a treat. You know, watching those guys battle each other. Uh, Shane's done a tremendous job at Thibodeau High School of getting that thing going again. Look, I'm just naming a few, but I think these guys from around here work really hard, and uh, it kind of starts from the bottom too. Like, there's some tremendous uh, youth baseball in this area too. I think the you know the the academies that are coming up like the lba academy that form they have some some programs in place where these guys are able to be around some good baseball and and practice their skill more and it's you know you're seeing some growth you're starting to see some some good baseball in this area and it's it seems like it's here to stay it's not just going to be a wave of it it seems like there's going to be a a continuous growth and and uh, tip of the hat to the coaches though and all the people that make that happen but uh, you're right they're starting everyone's starting to get better and that's an awesome thing
1: one of the things I wanted to, to ask you about is whenever you first took over this program, um, man, you guys' APR was was not good, and it was in the process of you know losing scholarships perhaps and different things. Now the number came out, you guys are 969. That's very good. That's incredible. Um, talk about the process of bringing that number up and then keeping it up, and I know that's entailed a lot of hard work and a lot of planning and processing, and it's changed maybe how you recruited in some ways, but kudos to you all. You guys got it done
0: we did and i'm still mad that it's a 969 i really wanted it to be better than that but you know it's it is a grind a little bit it's it can take you away from coaching uh, It was that was one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life was trying to to just maybe the fear of of it ever dropping back to where it was and knowing how hard it was to recruit with you know less scholarships than everyone else and limited resources to make it happen and so what were we going to do you know all i thought was like there ain't nowhere else to turn but on me, and <laughs> so I'm going check classes. We're gonna sit in the front three rows of class. We're gonna uh, have our own study hall. We're not gonna wait for someone else to do it or blame someone when it don't work. I, I just and we still to this day do it. I just part of our team rules is you gotta sit in the front of class and your phone can't be a part of your class and uh, and participate. And and so these guys have been proactive. And now we have more resources than we did when I first started um we have some people that really really uh helped make this great and you know as you can see that the entire all the way across the border academics are uh the overall gpa at Nichols for the athletes there's a 3.3 i mean that is tremendous and um but i think that it was just a lot of hard work and, and non-stop and honestly at the end of the day like there's a lot of achievement to that. If someone I take it personal, if someone comes to our school and and wouldn't graduate, I think that's a huge fear of mine. More so than maybe winning and losing is that that you didn't push them to achieve that great feeling of getting your diploma. Like there's no it's so special because when I go watch our guys' graduation, I see the smiles that you can never describe uh from family and and those guys as well is well when you get that degree it's something special and and you immediately kind of forget about wins and losses and just know that all that hard work i mean i've seen guys come to us that were barely academically eligible and turn into 3.0 students and uh so look we study on the bus we study in hotels and this year we had to study over you know facetime or, or over a zoom meeting and and do some things so uh just uh, it was. It's been a lot of hard work, and and again, it can tear you down. But that fear of of it ever going back to where it was always was kind of my motivation. Of I don't care what happens, I'm not letting this be what it was when I got it. You know, and I don't want any coach to ever go through what I had to go through. Uh, so, but it does take a little time. It's not overnight. It does bite into your recruiting a little bit. You got to be smart about it. And and if you recruit someone that's borderline, then you got to really stay on those guys. As much in the classroom as you do in the cages or on the field, you got to grind with them and uh, help them get through it. And, and at the end of the day, it's all about them, and it's all about Nichols's numbers, and it's all about you know their their achievement. And so, it's an un- it takes an unselfish you know coaching staff and, and an unself selfish group to make it happen. And uh, but it is a great uh, honor and a great feat, and there's there's some merit to that, and we enjoy it. That we take pride in it.
1: I remember when when you first got the job at Nichols and and you know going and meeting you and I, before planning for this interview I was just realizing man that was a long long time ago you've been here for a long time now um, what are some of the things you've learned most in your now long tenure as Nichols baseball coach? Uh,
0: I have learned that 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 you can never uh, take a step back and and pump the brakes it's it's full go. Um, I've learned that we can never stop and there is no exhaustion. It's, it's continue on. And I've also learned that this is really not a job to me. It's it's awesome. You know, I don't look at it as a job. I look at it as an awesome opportunity and uh, man to be able to, you know, we haven't brought home hardware that, that deeply uh, I'm envious of and, and strive for uh, before we've done so we've graduated a hundred kids and in, in a decade. And uh, there's been some tremendous uh success after college you know guys from whether you became a coach or running a construction company now to uh and then seeing those guys come back and and have that pride in them i think that uh there's definitely was been a culture change for maybe for good and forever and uh, but the you know you start thinking about facilities and how much they've changed in the last 10 years um but it can never end like it's it's as soon as you get something done someone somewhere else is is, is closing in on you or, or doing something maybe a little better. They're going to steal your idea and try to make it better. Like we have a coaches committee that cooks out for our team. Now all of a sudden everybody that we play is trying to do the same thing. Right. And so we've got to make it better and uh, just always trying to be creative. You can never stop. And, and you definitely can never just think that somebody's going to do something for you. It's always full throttle, you know, foot on the pedal and rock and roll. And, and, the, and I guess the other thing that I've learned a lot is that, Players today weren't the same as they were 10 years ago or even eight, maybe even five years ago. You know, there's a constant change uh, in generations. And it doesn't, like, I I do get a little frustrated when people say, well, these new kids. Well, you know what? These new kids are our responsibility. This new generation is part of our responsibility. I think I've really learned that as a coach. And um, and I guess finally, the last thing I can say is, no matter what, I've always got to be a present man our players and our and as the face of our team um and never sway away from you know, the core values that we have and, and just always be a present man and and uh be a man for our players to grow with and, and learn from and uh, whether or not i have all the answers just being there for them as a as a father would be because i become their what i learned more than anything is i become their stepfather because i'm around them more than their own fathers or guardians and so everything we say or do absolutely is of, of the utmost importance, and and uh, we got to keep our thumb on ourselves as well as coaches.
1: Last question before we let you go: there, at, at one time during your tenure, uh, you know things were not looking great in around the state. Um, you know there was talks of perhaps cutting, you know, the entire athletic department at the university, and everything was being cut, cut, cut. And then now there's been such a resurgence. You talk about the, the growth in facilities and programs have become so much more competitive. And there's been such a rallying cry and such a uh, resurgence. Do you ever stop and think, man, what we've done with the resources that we have is flipping awesome?
0: It, you, I think what you just said kind of gives goosebumps in the back of my neck. It just, I know how unattractive maybe things were when I first got here and it was kind of scary. And the relationship between uh the village you know when i say the village i mean the community the area the bayou region and Nichols. i always felt like it it wasn't toxic but it still wasn't great and then all of a sudden you know changing of the guard new energy um but a lot of Nichols pride and from Nichols people and what i've always noticed about Nichols is there's always been a Nichols only following, you know, everyone in the state and we are surrounded by division one schools. And um, so we may have the hardest job or the hardest situation because of the amount of good programs around, you know, and and, organiz- and schools around us. But I always noticed that there was always Nichols only fans. Like it was true Nichols pride. And at some point, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to come coach here was at some point it was going to be amazing. Because it's got all the feel for it, it's got a great college atmosphere in a small town setting in the in the deep south, and it's really cool the roots here. So uh, there is a lot of pride to that. Uh, with limited resources, you finally found a group of people that wouldn't complain about what they didn't have. You found a group of people that took what they had and tried to make it better. And uh, so I thought that was uh, a that, that's been awesome, you know, watching that and that change. Because at one point in time, it was not a popular destination. And now there's looks from everywhere and there's a thought. And uh, as I think when people see the Nichols logo, that it, there's respect for it and, and there's a respect to want to come to school here. And uh, it's a tremendous school, man. It's a great place to get a degree. and It's not an overwhelming situation. You can grow and you can grow in a community that is really special. So we've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed watching that transformation get back to maybe what it was years ago.
1: Well, Coach, thank you so much for the time. Keep up the good work. And we look forward to talking to you again in the future.
0: Hey, Casey, thank you for
1: having me. Absolutely. Wow, what an interview. We thank Coach Thibodeau so much for the time. Uh, We look forward to having him on here very soon. Uh, As long as he keeps up the good work, giving us stories like that, we're going to keep having him on. So let's catch a quick commercial break when we get back. So much is happening around the world of sports. Um, There are so many things that are opening back up or in the process of opening back up. We're going to look at all those things, or as many of them as we can. Plus, we're going to get to your questions. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. And this break will allow me to tell you guys that I'm doing this Casey's Corner Podcast for you, our readers, and our listeners at the LaFouche Gazette. Um, I'm doing this 100% for you to give you guys an opportunity to have a little peace of mind and a little bit of normalcy during this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, But I also want your input into the things we talk about. So if there's a guest you'd like me to get, let me know. I'll try my darndest to have them on. If there's a topic you'd like me to talk about, let me know, and I'll do my darndest to inform myself and educate myself on that topic. If there's a team that you want to reminisce about or a game or anything of that sort, let me know. We'll make it happen here on the Casey's Corner Podcast. We thank Nichols baseball coach Seth Thibodeau for the time. Um, That was one of our best interviews that we've had on the history of this podcast. He was so open and so candid. And um, The goal of any coach should be to Leave their program in a better position than which they left it. And um, we certainly hope that Nichols uh, baseball continues to go forward. And we wish Coach Thibodeau another decade of, you know, plus during his tenure at Nichols. But there's no doubt that we're going to look back one day and say Seth Thibodeau left that program better than what he took it. They were in shambles at one time, APR hell at one time, and Coach Thibodeau has reversed all those trends, reversed all that momentum, and he's gotten that program in a much more stable place, a much more stable environment. Kudos to him, great dude. We are so happy for their successes, and we look forward to them getting to a point where they could start winning some championships here in short order. So great interview, um, and thanks to him so much for the time. In the world of sports, we have had Really great news in the last couple of days. Um, we we'll start local. Recreation District 3 in Lafouche Parish has voted unanimously to allow the opening back up of parish baseball fields in Lafouche Parish. So you asked me, what does that mean? That means that we're going to be able to have some youth baseball here this summer, uh, youth softball here this summer. Um, now, the guidance that was issued with the vote is that everyone is going to have to... Um, get guidance from LaFouche Parish government. Everyone, you know, they're gonna kind of set the, the rules in terms of how many fans will be allowed and um, all that stuff. So if your child plays, you know, youth baseball in a certain league, follow their Facebook page, they're gonna give you an update on, you know, when games can maybe start or when, you know, how many people will be allowed or if there's any changes. But the idea that now the fields are open is step one towards us getting back to playing ball again over the summer. And I know that's something that everyone is very much looking forward to. So that's going to be happening. Um, another big news in terms of, you know, I get excited about these because for such a long time, for two months straight, the only news we had was of cancellations. So whenever we hear news that um, we're not canceling things and we're actually allowing things to happen, uh, it, it's, it's exciting to me. Uh, The big news is the Grand Isle International Tarpon Rodeo has announced they're fishing. They're not going to cancel like some other rodeos have done. They're going to fish. They're wanting to begin selling tickets. Um, They're looking for sponsorships, and I get it. It's a tough economic time, but I do think that the idea that something is going to happen as opposed to everything being canceled is going to draw good business to the Tarpon Rodeo. I think Grand Isle is going to make good money, some much-needed money, and this is going to be something that i think everyone's going to benefit off of fishing is not something that's at risk you you could fish and you could socially distance now if um you know the the rodeo decides you know hey we're gonna maybe you know limit our award ceremony or we're gonna cancel you know some of the nighttime performances you know into the tent of some of the bands or something like that that's their prerogative maybe they'll do that maybe they'll instead have some you know musical entertainment um you know, in late afternoon, not under ten and outside in the sun, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm just making that up. Um so maybe there will be some restrictions in terms of awards and different things like that. But you could fish and go weigh your fish and stay socially distanced and, and keep, you know, a large crowd from gathering. You could you could do that all very safely. Um so I think that this is a good decision. And I and again I think that this is something that Grand Al needs. Uh they cannot afford to to lose the international grand now tarpon rodeo it would hurt too many businesses would hurt too many people and um economically this will be a big boost to the island and i think that this is a good decision the ncaa has announced that on june the first teams will be able to get back together and start hosting uh workouts together um bravo ncaa again that we're three for three we've got news now of three different things that were once postponed or are in question of being postponed that are now going to be going on as scheduled. The NCAA is going to allow teams to get together on June the 1st. LSU football has already said that with NCAA permission, they would have their team back together on June the 1st. So we're going to be seeing strength and conditioning guys running wind sprints, getting back into the weight rooms. And um, this needs to happen. And, and you know, more important and me selfishly being a college football fan and me selfishly wanting to watch the college football season, um, the reason why this needs to happen is because these kids are safer on their campuses and in their workout facilities and in their you know their, with their team structure than they would be otherwise. Um, LSU is going to spend a ton of money to make their facilities safe. Alabama is going to spend a ton of money to make their facilities safe. They're gonna have the infrared thermometers. They're gonna have, you know, the ability to d- detect symptoms right away as they're happening. They're gonna have the ability to clean their workout benches and, you know, make sure that everything is, is sanitized and, and there are no germs being spread. They're going to be able to do that far better than, you know, a local community workout gym would. And these guys were going to be working out regardless, whether at home on their own time or on their facilities with their teams. So now instead of you know maybe putting them at risk in a facility that wasn't quite as safe or wasn't quite as secure they're going to be back with their teams and you know they're going to be able to do this far more safely far more efficiently with the structure and the money and the financial backing that these universities have so i think this is a good decision by the ncaa to allow teams to get back together start the team building process start the process of conditioning bodies and getting guys ready for the fall and it's it's roller coaster baby we, we had to climb that hill but we're about to reach the peak and then start going quickly towards the bottom and you know obviously the drop is the fun part of the ride we're about to start being able to talk about teams and top 25 rankings and it feels like we're going to be heading to a place here very soon where we're going to be looking forward to games being played and so many different things i know the nba's got some news i'll talk to you about that in just a second as well Some sad news in our sports update today. The WWE community, the wrestling community, is mourning the loss of one of their own as Shad Gaspard was found drowned in California. Shad was a member of the popular WWE tag team called Crime Time in the mid to late 2000s. Um, He was out of the WWE at the time of his passing. Uh, We wish nothing but the best to Shad's family and our thoughts and prayers are with them and all the professional wrestling world at this time um, couldn't imagine, man. I mean, it's tough. You, you're thinking that you're spending time with your family and having fun, and, and you know you you die, you know, drowning at the beach. It, it's it's rip currents are a beast, man, and and that's why we give such kudos and such praise to the Blue Boot Rodeo and those guys locally who are trying to raise awareness to prevent these things from happening. Um, so our thoughts and our prayers are with. All the wrestling fans who liked Shad and all the WWE community and family, I know we've got a big wrestler fan base and audience here, and um, tough day, tough day to be a wrestling fan. Vince McMahon, speaking of wrestling, Vince McMahon has announced, or no, he has not announced, there are reports that the XFL may not be dead after all. Um, There were, um, obviously everybody read the reports that the league filed for bankruptcy and Uh, you know we all just sort of assumed that that meant that the league was over and that you know reincarnation of the xfl part two was over with in the back of my mind when this was all happening i was suspicious and you know i could i could tell you uh heck you could ask my buddy richard fisher he he was having to hear me vent about this i never was fully convinced that the xfl was going to just completely go away and that there would not be you know, another try at it next season. And the reason why I was never completely convinced is that they were making money. Like this this go-around, the first go-around was a disaster and a nightmare and a failure, but this one was not. They were making money. Games were drawing good television ratings. People genuinely liked the product, and now it's all sort of making sense. They filed bankruptcy in court, and the reports now are that Vince McMahon has intentions to buy the company back out of bankruptcy court and uh, try to give it another go. Um, I know that there were talks. uh, You know, I don't know anything. Obviously, these guys, you know, they're making millions and billions of dollars. They're far out of the tax bracket that I'm ever going to be in. So I don't know how this all works. But people far smarter than me tell me that at times, you know, filing for bankruptcy is a good idea when, you know, times are uncertain or whatever, but it allows you to kind of reorganize things and and if you have aspirations to maybe continue the business forward maybe sometimes that's not a bad step to make so there are reports that have surfaced in the wrestling dirt sheets that are saying that the xfl may be coming back and vince mcmahon may be looking to buy the league back out of bankruptcy court um more power to him if he does i think it's needed i think that we need a second football league i think the developing of players that they were doing was good i enjoyed watching the product i was sad to see it go away during the pandemic i think the each teams were starting to get followings in their cities and i would love to see it come back next year assuming that obviously we get conditions in the in the world that would allow it to do so um the last thing is the nba has sent out guidance um obviously NBA facilities have reopened you know the New Orleans Pelicans have reopened their facility other teams around the league have reopened their facilities these are for you know voluntary workouts if you want to come in and you know get your lift in you can go to your team facility or get some shots up or whatever it may be um but the league has issued guidance in terms of getting players who were out of you know maybe the country or you know who you know left their home city and you know let's say a player played for the bucks and left milwaukee and went to los angeles and then now they're looking to come back to milwaukee they're looking to on june the 1st issue guidance for how to get players back into their towns and back into their you know cities of, of where they play and from what we understand very quickly then starting the process of getting teams back practicing so that we could resume the regular season now one report um, according to National NBA Beat Riders is that Orlando has emerged as a place where the NBA regular season could resume. Uh, Disney World is empty and Disney World has a ton of hotels. Disney World has a ton of gyms and a ton of places that could host these types of events. So that's a possibility that is growing in popularity. The players don't necessarily mind the idea of being in Orlando during the summer. I mean, it's a good place to be. Uh, so it looks like you know the, the possibility is growing of us having a resumption to the NBA season for one for two it may be being in Orlando and then obviously moving into the NBA playoffs, which I think would just be absolutely tremendous because this is such a year of parody in the league. The fans deserve to see you know this league go through conclusion and I know I'm so very much looking forward to us being able to get back at it. So I'm going to take some questions then we're going to wrap up. It's been a very good show. Um, thanks to everybody for listening y'all we have really started to grow um go find us on itunes casey's corner uh subscribe Uh, we're going to post the links to every show on our website but if you want to get the links sent straight to your phone you don't want to have to do anything go on itunes casey's corner podcast subscribe we'll send them straight to your phone um things are really starting to grow our numbers are looking great but anyway before i continue to brag on myself uh let's get to your questions first question number one do you think we will someday see a LeBron James documentary, documentary similar to what we saw with Michael Jordan? Um, yeah, I could see that. Um, I think that LeBron has embraced the social media culture almost to a fault. Uh, he, Whereas Michael Jordan was more closed in during his career, LeBron is the personality type who has chimed in on just about everything accept oppression in China but that's another argument for another day um, but yeah I could I could see him having his own documentary I could see him um, whenever he starts to wind down and especially if his, if his children are in the league at that time you know hiring the camera crew and everything um, I think it would be a little different than Jordan's one was um, I think that his would be, a little more as i like to call captain america i think that um i don't know how raw it would be i don't know how much of the the candidness there would be i think it'd be more you know created to try to portray lebron james a certain way um but yeah i I could definitely see there someday being a lebron james documentary much like we saw with michael jordan question number two who do i think will be a breakout performer for lsu football in 2020 Great question. Oh, very good question. Um I'll give you three. And one of them is not going to be Miles Brennan, though I think Miles Brennan's going to have a good year. The first one I'll give you is John Emory. That's sort of the sexy one. That'd be a one you know, a guy that a lot of people would list. I think that, you know, his issues with fumbling the football hurt him from playing a little more last year. In the open field, Emory's a beast. He's tough to tackle. He could catch. He could do all the things that you look for. Uh, So I'll go John Emery as an obvious pick. um, Maybe a little less obvious pick. Todd Harris returning from injury, I think is going to be a monster and potentially a guy that could be a first or a second day NFL pick type of guy. Todd Harris before his injury last season was really good. He's really athletic. He's really rangy. He could play a lot of positions on defense. He's very versatile. He could uh, tackle in the open field. He's good in coverage. Stop the run. Stop the pass having him back healthy in a loaded LSU secondary. um, I think he's going to be able to ascend to new heights and play a huge role. And then the last guy I would give you would be Trey Palmer. Um, And this is based on things that I'm hearing from folks who are at practices. They tell me Trey Palmer is just as good as Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall and Justin Jefferson are. Um, Obviously, you know, You can only play so many guys, so he wasn't able to get much playing time last year. But we saw the elusiveness. He returned to punt for a touchdown. Um, He's good in space. He could get open, runs good routes. I think that with Jefferson out of the picture, Palmer's going to slide into that offense, and I think he's got the makings of having a huge year in the fall. Number three, well, this is a good one. Best overall team you've ever covered, and then a follow-up to that. The best overall team you've ever seen, either as a kid or as a fan. Best team I've ever covered um, would have to be, um, I'm trying to think of the teams I've covered that won state championships. Uh, The Vanderbilt girls with Teresa Plaisance that won the state championship, they were phenomenal. I mean, how many local teams in Louisiana can say that they've had a, a WNBA player in the last few years and also a Hall of Fame coach? Uh, so they would be up there. Um, let's see. Also, um, uh, goodness, I'm trying to think. Some of the Vanderbilt soccer teams that I've, you know, I've been able to cover. You know, they're winning games 15 to nothing. I mean, just blitzing people. They were phenomenal. But the answer that I would probably have to say would be the Thibodeau boys basketball team from two years ago the state championship 5A boys basketball team coached by Tony Clark. Um, so many good players, Marvin Robertson, Kobe Johnson, uh, Winslow and uh, you know Carter and all the great players that were on that team. Um, they did something that is so rare in basketball today. Is basketball, especially in Louisiana with the AAU culture and the pollution and everything that AAU has done to quite frankly ruin the sport um in a lot of senses uh and you know where they're the ipad media as i like to call them where they're the guys that are sniffing jocks up and down every gym in louisiana carrying their ipad making highlight tapes and they claim to be you know sports reporters but I, i noticed i don't ever see them at girls basketball games or volleyball games and that's because you can't get rich off of those athletes so you know, Why not try to exploit the guys who could maybe get rich someday and make hi- highlight tapes for the basketball and football guys? Uh, but anyway, that's another completely different tangent. The Thibodeau boys basketball team did something that you may never see again, and that's they won a 5A state championship without a star player. Um, now, obviously, I could make the argument that they had a ton of star players, but no one was that guy who consistently got 30 a game No one was that Jalen Cook style player from the past few years where he gave the ball to Jalen and got out of the way and he scored 45, 50 points while everybody else pitched in five to 10. This Thibodeau team had five or six guys who could give you 10 to 12 points a game and every one of those guys on any given night could grow their role and give you the 20 that you needed. We were blessed to call every one of their playoff games from that entire ride start to finish all five games and they had a different hero in every game and they were challenged in the second round of the playoffs against Hanville that year they were challenged and almost got beat in the third round against Natchitoch Central they were challenged and almost got beat Um, but they always had someone else step up big and play big minutes and and help the team out through foul trouble I remember a couple of games they had so many of their starters sitting out that was a junior varsity squad out there playing but they were able to stem the tide. That was a total team effort. Uh, Kobe Johnson was the ringleader, point guard, making things happen, but they had so many guys around him that were tremendous. That's probably the best team I've ever covered, best team I've ever seen as a fan. Um, oh, goodness. Let's see. Let's think back. There have been some really good West Monroe football teams in the Dome. There have been some really good John Curtis football teams in the Dome. Um but I think the best team I've ever seen as a fan would have to be some of the Scotlandville basketball teams that we've seen in years past. Um, Scotlandville won the state championship last year in basketball with you know, it was tremendous talent, and they didn't have a single senior. This year, I admittedly didn't see them this year, but they brought everything back, and they were just loaded. And if you go look at the scores, they were just beating the hell out of teams. Uh, So they would probably be the best team that I've ever seen as a fan. Um, But there have been some good ones, man. We've been blessed to see some phenomenal, phenomenal football, basketball, baseball, and everything in between. Number four, where is Coach Terry Farmer today? Haven't heard from Coach um, in a while. Hope that he's doing okay. Uh, He is. He's still coaching ball. He is at Loy Noricks High School in Michigan, and he's still – a drifter, <laughs> like he was, you know, whenever he was here, he's still a drifter. What I mean by that is, he'll go and he'll take over a program that hadn't won in a long time. He'll turn them around, turn them into a playoff team, then he'll go on about his way, and then he'll start rebuilding somewhere else. Um, he had tremendous success in Arkansas, then he moved out, you know, towards Midwest, and you know, he's found his home in Michigan. And Loy Norix was a program that, if I found, you know, a little research and, and done it, they lost something like twenty something games in a row. We're not competitive. We're losing, you know, 40 and 50 to nothing every game. They've now become very competitive. Um, so Coach Farmer's still doing his thing. And you know what? Um, great question. I'm going to look to have Coach Former on as a guest here on the podcast here in the coming weeks. Number five, graduations are supposed to be this week for the 2020 class. What are your most fond memories of the 2020 graduating class? Um, let's see. In the fall, we got football season in without a hitch. Um so my most fond football memories of the 2020 class um thibodeau high school so good central lefouge very good Dion jenkins hell of a player uh you know karen lacy at thibodeau hell of a player south lefouge scoring a big upset win over south Terrebonne. that was a great night um then you look volleyball you know down the by had a great ride um you know baseball and softball were in the process of having a great ride boys and girls basketball were tremendous again as always but the overlying theme of 2020 and I'm not just saying this um because I feel bad for the kids or because their you know their seasons got canceled I'm showing you know sympathy I truly mean this the 2020 class has been comprised of a lot of really good kids like in any given year, there's always a handful of you know the, the homecoming king and queen type of, type of kid, uh, but you know sometimes the class by and large is not great. Um, but this year, man, all three of our schools get just tremendous character in their in their kids. Um, so many people who are going to just go on and be tremendous leaders, tremendous you know community members. Uh, and that's the, the theme and, and the, you know, the thing that I'm going to remember the most is just, you know, you look at a, a, a you know, I'll just use her in his example, but she's been on the show before Michaela Bynum. That's a kid that three, four sports star, um, but tremendous GPA, homecoming queen, Miss South LaFouche, like all of our quote unquote homecoming king and queen types this year. Were all student athletes. They were all very good players, very good people. Tyron Young at Thibodeau, homecoming king, tremendous athlete, college signee. Um, Lil' Hudson Gow, Central Lafouche, tremendous kid, college signee. Uh, there were so you know, Jansen Falls, college signee. Uh, so many tremendous kids. So many people that are going to go on and continue their careers. Logan Wilcox, Central the other one. Um, and they're going to be great leaders as well. So that's the thing that stands out most to me about the class of 2020. Number six, if the NBA returns, who do you think has the inroads to win the NBA title? I have no idea. And that's why it's going to be so fun. Because there's no Golden State Warriors. There's no team without a flaw. Every single one of the quote-unquote top-tier teams, I could poke a hole in every one of them. The Bucks. I've seen them choke in the playoffs before. If you guard Giannis and take him away, sometimes the second and third options are non-existent. I don't know that they could score enough. Toronto, they don't have Kawhi anymore. I don't know if they're going to be able to score enough in the West. The Lakers, um, I do think that being rested is going to help them, but you know at times they become too big and clunky and don't make enough three pointers. And you know while they have a lot of size, sometimes teams of guards bother them a little bit. The Clippers, can they score enough? At times, they become very reliant on you know the 20-foot mid-range jump shot. That's not good offense. Uh, the Rockets, I don't know, they have enough post presence. They don't play any centers at all. Utah, I don't think anybody thinks Utah is going to win it all. They, they, you know, they've been a team that's come up small in the postseason before many times as well. Dallas, um, they're too young. They can't get it done. But obviously, you know, if we return to play, someone's going to have to win it all. So we're, you know, I'm so curious to see how it would play out. And I think that. It would all match up in terms of the bracket, who's facing who, because let's take Houston for example. I think Houston could beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. I don't think they could beat the Clippers in a seven-game series. So, if they get matched up with the Lakers early in the playoffs, they can maybe knock them out. Whereas I think, you know, to combat that, I think the Lakers could beat the Clippers in a seven-game series perhaps. So, Everyone, you know, is is in a situation where they could potentially beat someone else in a series, but if they never see him, you know, it's all going to depend on how the brackets fall and how the seeding falls, and it's going to be so fun to see. That's a situation where we could really be looking at some really good, really fun basketball in the coming days. Number seven is an oddball question. My goodness, I didn't think I'd ever be asked this, but I do have a, a wonderful story about this what is the best game you have ever bowled i can't wait for bowling alleys to reopen and i was wondering if you were a bowler i'm not a bowler but i have a bowling story and i'm going to tell this story now and i hope that it doesn't embarrass the the person that i'm telling the story about when i was working in homa um i would i did a story on colleen Sherry. uh she's a state champion bowler for vanderbilt she bowled at the collegiate level Colleen is a wonderful person, Uh, one of the nicest kids I've ever met. She, I hope, is still doing well to this day, though I don't have any doubt that she's doing well because those types of people always do well because they have such great character. Um, Colleen was a state champion, and and I was going to do a story on her, and the story was going to be 10 Frames with Colleen Jeremy, and the story was going to be based on the idea that we would tell 10 mini-stories And then, while doing that, you know, we would bowl 10 frames and and play with one another. Colleen was in the process of breaking in a new ball at the time. So she didn't have her A game, she was not used to her new ball, wasn't bowling well. And for whatever reason, that day, I was bowling like Walter Ray Williams Jr. and bowled something like a 209 or something like that. And somehow, some way, beat Colleen who bowled like a 170 or something like that. Now to be fair the second game we bowled i came off my high horse and bowled my usual 130 colleen started to get used to her ball and bowled something like a 220 but i will be able to forever say that in my one day my one moment in the sun i was able to beat colleen share a state champion in bowling uh can never do it again but i was able to do it once and that's the best game i've ever bowled and coincidentally enough i also once beat Teresa plays in a game of horse um Teresa was, now, I don't like to tell this part of the story because, um, you know, it it makes me, my victory look a little bit less strong, but Teresa was living, you know, here at the time, had just gotten back from, I think, Cleveland for the McDonald's All-America game. I was going to go interview Teresa about her time at the McDonald's All-America game, and during the process, we were going to play a game of horse, and I beat her. She was exhausted, dead tired, didn't have any legs, but I beat her. And again, I couldn't beat her one on one. She'd beat me 10 to nothing. I couldn't beat her in anything else but that one game of horse. But again, I was able to say I beat a WNBA player in horse one time in my life. Could never do it again, but I've had a little bit of luck, and those are my two athletic stories and I'm sticking to them. Number 8. What is who is the most annoying wrestler from your past and now from your present? <laughs> Um, I love that you guys ask me wrestling questions every week because it shows you're paying attention. You guys know that I'm a big fan. From the 90s, Attitude Era, Ahmed Johnson was terrible. Um, Awful. Uh, Couldn't work. Stiff as a board. No charisma. They tried to push him. Realized very quickly how stupid that was. Ahmed Johnson would be my answer. Psycho Sid was bad. You know, what's crazy, Psycho Sid was bad, but I actually kind of liked early 90s Sid Justice. Um... But, man, he was terrible. Stiff as the board couldn't work. Today, um, man, I don't like Sheamus at all. And I don't necessarily know why, because unlike those other guys, Sheamus actually can work a little bit. Um, I don't like him at all. Whatever time he's wrestling or whatever show he's on, I'm tuned out. I'm trying to think if there's any others. Um, I never was a big Triple H fan, but I certainly respect him. He's not going to be one of my answers at all. Was he... Certainly respect that he's a Hall of Famer and you know the sacrifices he's made for the business. Um, yeah, I guess it would be shameless. He's the one guy that just kind of grates my nerves. I don't like his character. I don't like his gimmick. Uh, never was a big fan. And let's see. The last question that we got for today. LSU's over-unders 9.5 for football this coming season. How would you lay that bet if you had to lay it today? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 9.5. So that would mean... For you to win your bet, bowl games don't count in this tally. So for you to win your bet, you have to go ten and two, nine and three. You lose. Um, I could see LSU being either ten and two or nine and three. So obviously, the nine and a half number is a great one. It's very intriguing. I'm going to be a positive, a positive LSU fan and graduate and tiger and say over. But I'm very nervously saying over because I could see Texas giving them hell this coming season, especially early in the season. They've got their quarterback back. Um, they're going to be tough. I could see Auburn and Florida being brutally tough. I could see Texas AM and being brutally tough. And then obviously you got Alabama. So that's five games that I identify right out of the gate that are going to be very difficult. So if you win three out of the five, then you're 10-2. and two. If you win just two out of the five, then you're 9-3. and three. So it's going to be close, but I'll be positive and I'll say 10 and 2. Want to thank Seth Thibodeau for joining us today. His interview was tremendous. If you're listening just to the tail end of this, I encourage you to rewind and go catch Coach Thibodeau. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to everybody for subscribing on iTunes. Go find us on iTunes. Go subscribe. We'll send you these updates straight to your phone. You won't have to do a thing. We're going to do all the work for you. Thanks to everybody for listening. This show's continued to grow. And thanks to everybody for reading our stuff, man. Like our numbers, our web numbers at at LaFouciagazette.com give me goosebumps. We never, we took this challenge in January and we launched our new site in mid-February. And we were dead last in everything, man. Like when I was working at the Times, I know what our numbers were then. And I know what the Gazette's numbers were then. And we were beating the brakes off of them. I know what our numbers are now. I'm not privy to anyone else's numbers, but we ain't in last place anymore, and I got a feeling we're closer to first than what we are to last. So I thank you all so much to that, for that support, for reading and following everything that we're doing. Um, couldn't be more humbled by your support. Couldn't be happier to be home. Um, we're going to continue to cover things honestly, truthfully, and uh, with as much positivity as we can. This Lafouche Parish is a great place to live. We don't ever want anyone to forget that, so we're gonna wrap up right here with my sincerest thanks to you all. We're gonna have another episode probably on Saturday. I like to record on Saturday after doing radio. Um, you know, get all the talking done at one time. So thanks to everybody for listening. We're gonna drop another episode in the coming days. Keep socially distancing. Keep, you know, doing all the great things that we're doing. The progress is speaking for itself. The proof is in the pudding. We're better today than what we were last week. We're better, you know, two weeks ago. Or we're better last week than what we were two weeks ago. Progress has been marked and it's been constant and we're doing the damn thing, so keep it up. Um, we're going to sign off here. This has been another Casey's Corner Podcast. Go subscribe and find us on iTunes. Goodbye, everybody. We'll be back in a couple of days.